Welcome to the Wild and Well-Fed podcast, where we discuss women's health beyond nutrition. Get ready for practical, sustainable, real-life health topics that will help bring you closer to nature and your feminine roots. This is your host, Laura Lyons, and I'm here with my co-host, Annika Nicole. Let's get wildly nourished. The Wild and Well-Fed podcast is not medical advice, diagnosis, or prescription. No information in this podcast should be considered as medical advice or treated as such. Please consult your doctor before implementing any nutritional, supplemental, or lifestyle changes. Welcome back to season two of the Wild and Well-Fed podcast. This is the final episode, and we're going to be answering listener questions. So this should be fun. Yeah, and I don't know how many of you guys actually listen to the full outro of our podcast, but if you have, that is where we have talked about sending in listener questions. So if you haven't listened to that, all you need to do is email your questions to wildwellfed at gmail.com. And at the end of every season, we will do a a whole episode answering listener questions. We'll usually answer like four to five questions per episode. And they do not have to be related to the podcast season we just did. They can be anything you want to ask us. And a lot of the questions, well, I guess some of the questions we're answering today have not really had anything to do directly with any of our episodes, but they have to do with kind of just health in general. So yeah. yeah. Um, also, if you like this Q&A style, we do these Every other week in the membership, we literally do a live call with Annika and I, and you can ask us any question you want in the membership. Um, And those are just very detailed um, answers to health questions. Yeah, we usually do probably 10 to 15 questions Mm -hmm. um, every time, and we we spend an hour or more. So they're very detailed responses. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's start with our first question. Do you want to read it off? Yes. Our first question is from Emma. She said, I was on the pill for five years starting at age 16 and then switched to the Nexplanon arm implant, which I have now been on for nine years. I'd like to get off of hormonal birth control altogether, but I haven't found an alternative that I'm comfortable with. I have friends that do more natural methods like cycle tracking, but some of them still have gotten pregnant, which scares me because I know that I absolutely do not want to have children. So I was curious about what types of birth control you use yourselves. Yeah. So first off, I'm glad that you're deciding to go off of birth control. I was on it for 12 years, so I get it. Um, But first you're going to need to transition off of the birth control. So what I did um, was basically like you're going to, I used a barrier method or I abstained until I got my period back. Um, It took me about three months to get my period back. Now keep in mind, this can range for every single person. So you might get your period back, but maybe you're not ovulating. So you're going to have to get really familiar with how to track your cycle. Um, But as you're transitioning off of that birth control, you will want to abstain or use a barrier method like a condom um, until your period comes back. And then once you're, and then also once ovulation comes back. So you're going to want to get a book. I mean, we have tons of resources even on our Instagram page about how to track your cycle. Um, but there is the book for what is it the fertility awareness method is that or taking charge 
taking charge of your fertility. Yep. Yes. And it goes over the fertility awareness method. So that is the natural method that you're talking about. Um, Once, if you are literally tracking every single cycle and you get really comfortable and familiar with your cycle, it is like what? (laughs) 99.9%. It's more, it's more accurate than birth control. Absolutely. And I mean, that's what I've been using since I went off of birth control and I have not gotten pregnant. That was what, eight, nine years ago. So um, probably 10 years ago now at this point. So um, it is, it's very, if, if you get very familiar with your cycle and you read some books on your cycle, maybe go through our Instagram pages, just learn a lot about your cycle and start tracking. You shouldn't have any problems. You shouldn't, you, you probably won't end up pregnant, especially if you use condoms during certain times of your cycle cycle where you're concerned. So maybe that first half of your cycle, you're going to use a barrier method like a condom. And then after you ovulate, you're kind of like free to go. So um, yeah. And I think it's just super important just in general. It's super empowering to understand your cycle. You're going to feel like a new woman (laughs) going off birth control and actually seeing like the ebb and flow of your cycle and actually experiencing ovulation and getting like the egg white cervical mucus and like seeing your temps rise and the progesterone and how different you feel at different times of your cycle. It's so cool. And it's like so empowering. And I think it's just an absolutely fascinating thing. And since you've been on birth control for so long, you haven't experienced that. So it's going to be all new to you. Um, but yeah, if, if you are concerned, just using a barrier method. And I <laughs> I know there's so many people out there that are like, I hate my husband won't use condoms. And I'm like, for real? For real? Okay. Does he want children though? Like yes. what is the, yes. you know, like, oh. come on. Like, Come on. If your husband or the person that you're with is saying, I hate condoms, I won't have sex with you if you don't, if you're going to use a condom or if you're going to force me to use a condom. Bye. See you later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm clearly not important to you. (laughs) So I have a major issue with guys that literally refuse to use condoms. Drives me wild. (laughs) Yeah, because then they're putting all of it on you. And if they're more okay with you taking a toxic hormonal pill or implant and you damaging your body for their sake, Mm -hmm. then literally run because they do not care about you at all. Yep. Yeah. Nothing drives me more crazy. And, you know, women will say, I don't like condoms. I'm like, well, do you want to have children? What's what, 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 what is going on here? Like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. If you, I don't understand how, like, there's so much more to sex than condoms. Truly there, there is a connection. There's, it's your relationship. Yeah. And you can't have your cake and eat it too with every Mm -hmm. single thing. If you don't want kids and you do not have a completely predictable cycle right now, Mm -hmm. or you're ovulating or something like that, wear a condom. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It it just drives me, it drives me nuts. (laughs) You know, having children shouldn't be taken lightly. You know, if I have a problem with people that are like, especially when you're not, when you're not married. So it's like, for some reason, like having children isn't as big of a commitment as getting married, but getting married is so scary. Right. Have you ever seen that? Like, it's like, what? Do not even get me started. Do not. (laughs) It is the most (laughs) confusing backwards yeah. thinking I've ever experienced. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. 
Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's like, I, I won't get married to this woman, but I guess having children with her is okay because I don't want to use a condom or I want to be kind of reckless. <laughs> it's absolutely oh, insane. my gosh. It yeah. is. It is wild. <laughs> and then a couple other things you can use are um, like the temp drop. I haven't used mm-hmm. it, but it's really good for tracking basal body temperature. I've used a BB femometer. I got it on Amazon and I've used it for years and it works pretty well. I'm sure it's not as accurate as the temp drop or anything, but um, that's helpful to detect temperature changes in your cycle. And then I always use LH strips to mm-hmm. figure out my peak um, LH surge. which indicates ovulation. And you can get those for super, super cheap on Amazon. So I use those, but truly all you need to master natural family planning is a regular cycle and to not be sleeping around. We do not recommend natural family planning to people that are sleeping around. Absolutely not. Uh, It's too risky. You have to have a dedicated partner that cares about you and uh, wants the best for you and them and your future and someone that you would be okay with um, getting, having a child with because the truth is, is if you're having sex, no matter what you're doing, there is not ever a 100% chance that you won't get pregnant ever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Sex, sex and children, it's all commitments, <laughs> all of it. It, it is. should be, it, it should is. be taken as such for sure. And, Absolutely. um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about how I track since I use the aura ring. Um, yes. so me and my husband, we, we decided that we don't want to have children. So I'm very, you know, I'm, my cycle is perfect. Like I do ovulate at the same exact time every single month, but I'm still very cautious because you know, things can happen. You never know. Maybe it was like a stressful month. I don't know. And maybe my ovulation is off. So, um, basically my aura ring shows my temperature shifts and shows when I ovulate. So once my temperature shift rises, then I know like, Oh, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm, there's no way I can get pregnant now. So I have always just used my aura ring as my way of knowing um, when I could have unprotected sex or if I have to, um, you know, use a barrier method of some sort. Yeah, absolutely. And it works well. And I used it for however many many years I was married and praise the Lord. It worked perfectly because I cannot imagine having a child right now after having already gone through a divorce. So it truly, when you are doing it, following it correctly and actually sticking to it, I would stand by the fact that it is way more reliable than birth control. I really would. Yeah. So get some books, start really learning about your cycle, dive into both mine and Annika's Instagram pages. We have tons of information on there about tracking your cycle. Um, But yeah, I think what taking charge of your fertility, what was the other one? Um, There's a few others. The fifth vital sign. sign, Yeah. Yeah. um, I think there's another one like in the flow is another. Oh, flow living and in the flow. We'll link all of these in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. There's just Truly, just like go invest in all of these books, go through our Instagram pages and just really start tracking and getting familiar with your cycle. And during that process, just make sure you're using a barrier method until you become comfortable enough to understand your cycle and when you're ovulating and when it's okay to um, not use a barrier method. 
Yeah. And just be ready to put in the work because we would never sit here and tell you that it's just this easy thing that you do. You have to figure it out at first and -hmm. it's going to take some time. It's going to take some work, but at a certain point, just like with eating, it just becomes second nature. You barely have to put any thought into it. Yeah. I don't even think about it. I truly don't. My, my, I think I'm, I'm very lucky that my cycle is as regular as it is. Um, if your cycle is not regular, then you are going to want to just always use a barrier method until you figure out why your cycle is irregular until it becomes more regular for you. Absolutely. Or if you, if you're married and ready for kids and you don't care about getting pregnant. Um, Yeah. 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 Okay. Our next question is from Anna. She said, I have Eat Your Prenatal, which has been blowing my mind. It's been a great resource and it's been using, it's been helpful for me prepping for pregnancy. How long before getting pregnant do you think you should be following Eat Your Prenatal? I've been following it for about three months and I want to get pregnant at the beginning of 2024, so pretty much now. Um, Before that, I've been following the foundations for about two years and can I follow this guide after pregnancy? So yeah, great question. And I love that you bought Eat Your Prenatal. Thank you for doing that. There really is no set time though. We don't really have like a, we recommend doing this for exactly three months or six months or a year before you try to get pregnant. But the more time that you follow this before pregnancy, the better, because it does allow you to increase your nutrient stores, which will benefit both you and your baby during pregnancy. So what we what we can say we recommend is that once you have it, really just start by tracking your food intake in chronometer to see what you are hitting nutrient-wise and see where you need to fill in any gaps that you might have with intentional supplementation, which we cover all of this in each your prenatal. And you don't need to track your food forever. Just at the beginning can be helpful so that you get an idea of where you are. And then as far as your question about postpartum, you can and should be following this postpartum absolutely. Basically, what we say is that anyone that wants to get pregnant should be following this ever. So if you're if you're 18 and you're listening to this and you want to get pregnant, you should be following it your prenatal, even if you don't want to get pregnant for 10 years. And also men should be following it too, because their sperm health is absolutely critical to the health of your baby and your pregnancy. And I think that people just don't really pay attention to that, but that is absolutely necessary. So for optimal results for you and your baby and your family, you should be following this for as long as possible before you get pregnant and your husband should be following it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also something people don't realize is that you embed like your mineral status. So if you're super depleted, you actually put that onto your children, um, onto your baby. Um, same thing with your microbiome. You know, if your microbiome is messed up, your baby actually inherits that from you. So the more that you follow eat your prenatal, the more you're going to build up those nutrient stores. And also you're going to support your gut. Your gut needs lots of nutrients to function. Um, so this is just going to limit how much pregnancy depletes you and how nourished your baby is as well. So, um, you know, the less depleted you are, the better your postpartum is going to be, the better mom you're going to be. It's just, it, it, eat your prenatal is just absolutely critical. I feel like every woman needs this. Even if you decide that you want to take a prenatal, this is absolutely critical for everyone and every single woman 
at almost all stages of their life. I mean, I'm not planning on having children, but this is even a guide that I follow, you know, just to feel good and just to be healthy. So, um, yes. And of course you definitely want to, um, follow this after pregnancy, especially if you plan on having more children, you want to make sure that that next pregnancy is also very nutrient and energy rich as well. Yeah. And you brought up two really good points. One of the things that we say on our website for eat your prenatal is fertility is a vital sign. You need to be focusing on your fertility, whether or not you ever want to have kids. Like Laura said, she's not planning on ever having kids and she follows eat your prenatal because she understands how important it is to have her fertility, whether or not she plans to use it. Um, so that's just super, super important to think about. Yeah. Um, so the next question is um, actually going to be anonymous because it's a more personal question. Um, but the question is, I've been listening to season two on how to create a healing environment. And the story Laura told about the client whose husband watched TV into the night and was on a very different page from her sounds like sounds a lot like my story. I wouldn't say my husband is necessarily outright disrespectful, but he definitely doesn't care about health or listen to what I say when I try to recommend making changes. What do you guys recommend doing in a situation like this? Well, I have a lot to say on this. <laughs> so I will I will guide you into um, the workshop that we did. We did a workshop in the membership um, with my husband, actually, that we discussed all of this. And it's super in-depth. It's a great conversation that we had. It was Annika my husband and me that we did and we did the whole workshop on on this exact thing. Do you remember what it's called? Um, Relationships. Something about relationships. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically we talk about this exact thing. Um, and I think there is something to say here about how the male mind just operates very different than the female mind. Um you know, a lot of women tend to not feel well, right? Men tend to like you know, they, they could do a lot of shit and not feel any repercussions from it whatsoever um, until later in life. Women are more in tune with their bodies. So we tend to feel unwell quicker. And so then we decide that we want to make changes with our health. Um, but men usually don't just because they don't have that motivator. Right. Um, so I think one of the biggest things to touch on is that you cannot force them to make changes. Uh I think for me and my husband, it's been one of those things where I cook, I grocery shop, I plan the meals. So he just eats the same as me, right? Um, and he just has the same lifestyle as me. He goes to bed early. He wakes up early. Like he does the same thing as me just because we're together all the time and we just have a really good relationship and we understand each other very well. Um but over time, he's just become super aware and he'll actually seek out like healthier options when we're out um, or he's always looking for places to go that like will accommodate me and make sure I can eat certain things. And um, he's he's always looking out for me. And I know that's kind of a personality trait, but I feel like everything he does is with me in mind. And again, I don't know if this is just I, I feel like every relationship should be like this. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think a lot are. Um, but the, I, again, my husband's a little bit different than everybody else's. But <laughs> uh, one thing is that he does love beer. He does make his own beer as well. So he is a home brewer. And I'm never going to take that away from him. He does enjoy it. He It's not like he's going out getting trashed every night. Like He likes to sip on beer and taste beers. And I'm never going to take that away from him, even though we both know it's not like the healthiest thing you can do. Um, but 
Um, but yeah, I basically think it's just a matter of leading by example. And he has seen how much my health and my life and my personality and just who I am has changed for the better by adopting these healthy lifestyle habits and eating well that now he just does it just because I'm, I'm leading by that example. Um, but I do think communication is a big part of this as well. Like you, you need to be able to communicate well with your husband when you're dealing with stuff like this. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the communication is a big piece because it's going to determine whether or not they're going to be defensive about what you're recommending, like are how you're going about it, you know, are you being negative about it or is it more like, let's have a conversation about X, Y, Z, or are you literally like attacking him because he's doing something wrong? Um, then he's going to become defensive and not want to actually, um, move through with whatever healthy, healthy choice that is. Yep. Absolutely. And I mean, I have a lot to say about this too. And unfortunately, I know how this goes. I know from experience in my previous marriage. And first of all, just wanted to say I'm really sorry to hear this because it is so frustrating. Um, We are going to deep dive into this, into relationships in season four. And like Laura said, Mm -hmm. I have to second the plug for the workshop we did in the membership with Colin. It is so, so good. And we got so much positive feedback from our members on that uh, chat we had with with Colin. So I would recommend that. Um, But I honestly hate to say it, but I think that this kind of behavior really speaks directly to someone's character. Yeah. The bottom line is that you're not trying to harm him, right? Like you're not you're not doing something wrong. You're trying to help him and you be healthier and you're trying to better both of your lives. So if he's not willing to honor your requests or at least just be respectful and hear you out and be willing to make some slow changes, I I wouldn't suggest asking him to make every change ever right overnight. I mean, that's a lot for someone. Um, But if he is not able to be respectful of it and at least hear you out, then it might be time for a closer look. And then also just like a look at his other actions. Like, is he acting this way in other ways or is it just this topic? Can you talk to him about it? Can, are you able to say like, Hey, it's been really hurtful how you've treated me with, you know, this health related stuff. Or if you say that to him, will he like, fly off the handle and get really angry. And if so, then that just speaks to his character in in general. So there's a lot to it, but um, your partner should be someone that hears you out and supports you and wants the best for you and them in every area of your life. And obviously health is huge in that department. So um, I would just kind of evaluate his character. But yeah, again, we will be covering this in depth in season four because we realize how profoundly relationships impact your health and your healing journey. And we're literally doing an entire season on it because we we feel that it's that important to cover it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if this is a character trait and you're seeing other things as well, and it's not just the health stuff, um, might be time to evaluate some things, you know, um, sometimes guys are just, they're just not interested. They're just not interested in health. And some guys just are never going to be as interested as you are in health. But I think by, I think most men, you know, if you're really passionate about something and they support you and they support your decisions and they trust you, then 
they're never going to get angry. You know, they're never going to get angry about things. So again, is this, is this part of their character? Is that really where, where it lies? Exactly. And that's, again, what we're going to be talking about in season four a lot, because you had a different experience than me as, well, actually it was similar to my first marriage, but with Colin, you, when you guys got married, you weren't, you weren't like doing what we're doing now. You weren't Mm -mm. super healthy or holistic or anything like that because we just didn't know about it yet. So you've transitioned with him throughout this journey and he's stuck by you because he respects you. Mm -hmm. With my ex, it was the same thing. When we got together, I wasn't super into like health and nutrition yet. And so when I started to introduce that to him, he was very resistant to it. He he would go along with some stuff just because like you said, I was doing the cooking and whatnot, but there were so many things he wouldn't even try or consider or um, listen to me about, which was very frustrating for me, which was a reflection of his character. And that's yeah. why it didn't work out. And then my boyfriend now Ever since I've been dating him, he's known this about me because this has been my life and my career for a couple of years. And he has been so receptive and so curious and um, asks for my opinion on things and just so respectful. And that has made all the difference in the world for me. Yeah. And I do. I kind of wonder if it's just personality and like character yeah. traits that make people very resistant to this type of stuff. I think but it is. I also think it's really awful when if you're really excited about something and you're finding out all this new information and you really want to dive in and you're telling your husband about it and he's not, you know, receptive to it. Like he should kind of be matching your energy a little bit. He should, he should be like, yeah, like, you know, like I support this, you know, just because you're so, you know, zesty about it. Like he should be the same way. And I, I really have a hard time with people that like put people down because they're excited about something even if you're not excited about it, you should still act like you're a little bit excited about it. Like, yeah, like pump them up, like get them excited about it. Like who gets mad at somebody for wanting to make healthy changes, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're trying to help you out too, because it's like, I want my husband to be with me until I die. You know, I want, I want him to be around yes. for a long time. I want him to always be able to hike with me and do all the fun things that we love to do with our life. And he's just such a huge important aspect of my life that he understands where I'm coming from. He's like, oh, she doesn't want me to get sick or die. Like she needs me. Like she wants me. Like she, you know, and that's, that's how he's probably looking at it as opposed to somebody that's like, Ugh, you know, I don't want to do this. This is too much work. Or, you know, I think it's, I, again, maybe it's personality and character. Well, and like you said, I think you have such a good point that usually men, just because their hormones are different and they're wired so differently, they don't feel as bad as women start to feel a lot earlier in life. Mm -hmm. So for them, they're like, I feel fine. Why would I do this? And one of the things that I've been really diving into with my boyfriend, like I said, he's been so respectful, so supportive and amazing about all of this, but he, he feels fine. He has no issues. However, He has dementia in his family from like literally every member on every side with his grandparents. And so I'm like, this could definitely be a genetic factor for you. And I want to do everything in our power to try to prevent this for you and for us later in life. So starting to think about these things now is what's going to make the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you want to make sure it's like, I want him to be around for our kids. I want him to be healthy. I want him to always have energy. I want, you know, you want him to always be present. And it's like, if you don't feel well, 
you're not going to be able to be present. You're not going to be able to be in your kids' lives as much. So um, yep. taking all of that stuff into consideration, and if if your husband is really resistant to making some healthy changes, I mean, I'd really look into that. I mean, I don't know if that would even be like a cause to go to therapy, you know, to discuss oh, it. Oh, I, yeah, I would say for sure that it yeah. is. And you can see why we're doing a whole season on this. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> we could just keep going. Keep we going. Just keep going. We've been on this question for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we have a whole season coming out. So we'll, yeah. we'll end it there. <laughs> yeah, definitely stay tuned for season four. <laughs> okay, the last question we're going to answer today has to do with coffee enemas. And we did cover those in the last episode, so you probably are somewhat familiar with them with at least what they are by now. But the question we got on them comes from Liz, and she said, how often do you recommend doing a coffee enema? Do you have any tips for beginners? They seem intimidating, LOL, and can you use coffee for, can you use your coffee for them? So first, our disclaimer is you just have to consult with your doctor. That's what we legally have to say. This is not medical advice. Um, So make sure you do that first. But yeah, they do seem weird. But once you get used to them, you will find out how amazing they can be. I personally do them about once a week. And we don't really recommend doing them more than that. Uh, We have literally, this is not a joke, seen practitioners recommending doing them every day. That is insane. That is where you would use the word dangerous because your body can become dependent on them and there is just no need. It's it's a tool in your toolbox. It is not like a vitamin or a nutrient that you need to be doing every single day. That is just not not good advice. So don't do that. Don't, you know, anything in extremes is never going to be good. So um, like I said, I, I'm on about a once a week basis, but it varies just based on what I have going on and things like that. Um We did do an entire workshop in our membership on coffee enemas and castor oil packs. So if you're not in the membership yet, that is another good reason to join because we do have an in-depth workshop, hour-long workshop on coffee enemas. But if you're just getting started, you can also watch videos on how to do them on YouTube. Yeah, I would say the once a week rule is probably pretty good. I don't think I would ever have anybody do more than that unless they were like no. under supervision. Um, but especially if you're like new to this, like once a week is plenty, maybe a couple times a month, that's plenty. Um, you don't want to do them super often. Also, you need to make sure like, you know, your minerals, they've got to be in a good place before you start doing stuff like coffee enemas. Um, otherwise, you're going to be super, super depleted. So you got to really make sure that you're getting in a lot of mineral rich foods and, um, you know, you're adding salt to your waters and things like that be- for a while before you decide to do coffee enemas and make sure you're very, very hydrated. Um, so yeah, I would stick like with the one time a week rule. Um, I don't do them super often anymore. Like I had mentioned on our last episode, I usually have, to, I've done them for like gut protocols and like when I was on my healing journey, uh, just like when I was really unwell, I did a lot of coffee enemas and it, they did really, really help um, with symptoms. Uh, but now I mostly just do them when I travel or like when I get home from traveling just to, you know, kind of help with any, any gunk, any detox. <laughs> um, but I also noticed they're great for things like migraine headaches. So I used to struggle with migraine headaches a lot back in the day. And um, now if I feel like a headache coming on, I'll just do a coffee enema and it's gone. I don't even like it just poof, gone. The second I feel a headache coming on, just goes away. Um, And then even like, you know, I used to have like chronic stomach ache issues and they would always knock out 
a stomach ache. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I do love coffee enemas, but you do have to be pretty, um, cautious of them and they are not, they definitely are not for everyone. If you have like hemorrhoids, you definitely don't want to be doing them. If you have a serious gut issue or diagnosis or disease, you do not want to, uh, be doing them either. So again, consult with your doctor about all of that, but with all of that said, you can definitely use our coffee, though. <laughs> um, since we do a third-party test for mold and heavy metals, um, it's an awesome, awesome clean coffee. You can totally put that up your butt without getting any toxins <laughs> or mold in there. So I 100% recommend our coffee, and I have been actually using our coffee for the enemas. Yes, our coffee is great for drinking and for enemas. So it's... <laughs> It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is all of our questions that we're going to be answering today. And with that, we are wrapping up season two of the podcast. So we cannot wait to start sharing season three with you guys, which will be all about social media. So we will see you there. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Wild and Well-Fed podcast. On the last episode of each season, we'll answer listener questions. If you have a question for us, please email it to us at wildwellfed at gmail.com for a chance to have your questions answered. If you like this episode, please don't forget to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you again next time.